0: Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that the words that we sang are true words, that you are worthy of all glory. It is yours because you came and dwelt with us, and we get to rejoice in that good news this evening. We're so grateful to be able to gather together and to remember and to have hope in the midst of a weary and broken world, God. You have given us hope through your Son, Jesus. As we just heard, you have come to dwell with us. And this gives us hope and peace. And I pray that now, as we open up your word, as we look at the great prophet who testified to your imminent coming, that it would give all who hear these words hope and joy and peace. We pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Well, good evening. It's so good to see so many of you. Great to uh, be able to worship together on Christmas Eve. And um, I want to just say a word of thanks and welcome. Uh, So many um, in this room and perhaps at earlier service or will be here later this evening have been working tirelessly to uh, prepare and to allow our technical team and Matt and the worship team and uh, our beautiful choir. That is now one of my favorite uh, Christmas memories is getting to listen to that choir uh, open up our worship service um, together. And so many people worked really hard um, to allow us to be able to gather together this evening. I can tell you that uh, up until about 12 o'clock, there were folks little scurrying about uh, cleaning and trying to uh, prepare this space so that we could gather uh, together in worship. And um, so thank you for being here and welcome uh, to our church. And we're so glad to have you with us. C.S. Lewis said famously, once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our world. I don't know about you, but this year it seems the world, the weight of the world has seemed very big to us. Not in a geographic sense, but just there's so much going on. So much strife, so much hardship, um, pain, suffering. I don't really want to fill in those blanks for you, but I know that if you're like me, this year has been a heavy year. And we've carried so much weight And it would not be wrong, in fact, it's more than likely the truth that we limp into this Christmas season weary, perhaps nearly heartbroken, and perhaps even lacking or very close to losing hope. Things this year or things in our lives today, even small things in other times in our lives, small things now seem magnified, seem larger, seem more challenging. I'm weary of the loss of life. I'm weary from isolation. I'm weary from anger. I'm weary because this year has shown us so often over and over again the brokenness of the world and the darkness of the world. And you're more than likely, very much like me, feeling weary, just feeling helpless. It's very possible you sit in the chairs and you're thinking to yourself, what do I do? But the beautiful thing about Christmas, the joy of Christmas, the reason we gather together, if you're a friend here or a guest as a family member and you're wondering why it is that your family members sing to Jesus... Think about Christ in the way that we do. The joy that we have is that Christmas reminds us that while we might feel very much helpless, we are not hopeless. We are not left without hope. Because Christmas tells us, it teaches us that God, God himself, as we just saw in that video, came to dwell with us because he is very much aware of your helpless estate. He is very much aware of the suffering that you perhaps have been walking through. He's very much aware of how often you don't know where to turn. He also, because of that awareness, Christmas teaches us that he cares enough to step into our mess. You might wonder, perhaps you sometimes know... It's the really good friend that sends you the text message or makes the call when things aren't going too well. All the other friends, they're around when things are, you know, sunshine and roses. But when things take a turn for the worse or kind of go the wrong direction, it's the really good friend that steps into the messiness of that situation. Well, this is Jesus. He is aware of our helplessness and and the feelings that we have. And he doesn't retreat. Know as the great psalmist said once, he is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. He steps into our mess. And ultimately, we can have hope at Christmas because that God who is aware of our helplessness, he steps into our messiness. He is the one who we know will one day make all things new. One of the reasons kids love Christmas is because for one brief moment... Everything that they look at is brand new. New toys, new experiences, newness. My candle is no longer new. (laughs) These things, that gives us this excitement. And we know we, we like new things. We like the smell of the new car. We like new things. And Jesus, one day, all that we experience... Everything we see, as far as our eyes can gaze, one day, because of Christ, everything will be made new. The great prophet Isaiah testified to this and told of the Messiah, this Jesus, that would step into our messiness and help us in our helpless estate. And ultimately, the one one day would make all things new. And he prophesied about this, one of the great prophecies from Isaiah chapter 9. Beginning in verse 1, I'm going to read for us. Isaiah chapter 9 But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea The land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations Isaiah the prophet is speaking of a time when it seemed as if things were helpless or hopeless Where the people of God did not know where to turn And Isaiah is telling them Talking for God, speaking on behalf of God. The people, beginning in verse 2, "...the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil." For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. All of the things that have come against God's people, God has dealt with, Isaiah says. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And here is the great promise. For to us, a child is born. In those last two verses, 6 and 7, Isaiah is telling the world of the coming Messiah. Telling the world of the hope that he would bring. And he does this by describing this child. And the first thing, though, as we look at this, we must reconcile the fact that the people of God, when Jesus came, they did not expect the Messiah to come as a child. They had, in a sense, sort of missed this prophecy. They were expecting a warrior king to come and turn over all of the people that had oppressed them. But Isaiah had testified. He said that a child is born. God entered our world. What hope it brings us to know that God has entered in to our world. Sometimes the religious uh, feeling of the day and sometimes we're tempted to believe that it's our responsibility. If something's going wrong or there's some challenge in our life or there's some pain or there's some suffering. It's our responsibility. We've got to go to God. And there is nothing wrong, and in fact, I encourage you in those moments when you're feeling those things, yes, go to the Lord in prayer, gather with His people, do all those things to pursue God. But the beauty of our faith, the amazing thing about our God is He didn't say in the prophecy, a child will be born and you better go and find Him. No, a child is born, He is given to us. He has come to us, pursued us, stepped into our mess. And if you're wondering, if you haven't heard the story... What Isaiah prophesied about thousands of years before it actually occurred, in Luke chapter 2, it happened. In our family, we read the Christmas story on Christmas morning before we turn to all of the rest of the day's events. So tomorrow morning, we'll read these two verses from Luke chapter 2. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Jesus, the Messiah, God himself came to us. And so as we feel weary and broken and just sense the weight of the world, we can know that God is aware of that and he came. The next thing Isaiah says about this child, this son that is given to us is that the government shall be upon his shoulders. This brings us hope to know as we look around and as the people of God in this time when they were hearing this prophecy for the very first time, there was a lot of tumultuousness in the government systems and the people of God were ruled by oppressors and in some senses enslaved in so many ways their lives were hard. But the Messiah said that is prophesied about it says the government will rest upon his shoulders. In Colossians chapter one, Paul speaking of Christ, this Messiah, this is what he how he describes him. For by him, in verse sixteen, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or ruler or authorities, all things were created for him and through him. This teaches us and reminds us that everything that we see around us, our world, rests upon the shoulders of Christ. Everything exists for Him and by Him. And you might look around and see so many trying things, many challenges in your life. You might wonder, who has the authority over these things? This is good news at Christmas to remember that Christ is the authority that all things sit upon his shoulders. And if they rest upon his shoulders, we can know that they rest securely. And they rest in a place that will ultimately lead to our joy. Isaiah calls him, tells us of him. The child is born, speaks of his authority. He then begins to give him these names and his name shall be called. Wonderful Counselor Wisdom Is his And the weariness of our life This year We have been struggling to find Any source of wisdom Where do we find the truth How do we know what we should listen to What are we supposed to do in this way or that and I'm speaking, of course, of the things that we know about in our culture. I can't even begin to know in your personal lives the challenges and some of the pains and sufferings. And should I go left or should I go right? Should I proceed forward? Should I retreat backward? Should I just stand firm? We are, it's all so many unknowns in our lives. So many things we've experienced. And how, what a joyous truth it is to know that we have a Messiah. We have a Savior that came to dwell with us. And that all wisdom is His. Later in chapter 28 of Isaiah... The the prophet would say this, this also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. We can have hope at Christmas because we have a wonderful counselor. We have a wise counselor. We have one who knows all things. And we can go to him and we can seek out his wisdom. By the way, if you're just curious about this and want to know, well, where would I go if I'm looking for this wisdom from this Jesus that you talk about, Pastor? It's right here in this book. It's called the Bible. This is the source of all wisdom, all truth, all authority. It is fully sufficient. No, it doesn't speak to whether you should buy that water burger tonight or go to get some taquitos from somewhere. But it tells us all things that we need to know sufficiently to answer every question for our plight. Everything is found in this book. God's wisdom is here. Isaiah speaks of Jesus as the wonderful counselor. He then describes him as mighty God. Going back to Colossians verse 15 that preceded the verse I read just before. He is the image of the invisible God. How do we know who God is? We look to Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. We can see God. We can know God through Christ. How do do we know God? We know Him through Jesus who came and lived and became like us. Philippians 2 describes Jesus in this way. Paul again talking about the heart of Christ. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That meant he was fully God and he didn't have to argue about it. He didn't have to convince you of that. He did not consider being God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Once again, this gives me so much hope to know that the God of the universe became like me. So that I could know him, he emptied himself in humility, but he is mighty God. Isaiah continues wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. One of my favorite things about our faith is the family. I look around the room and I see generations of families worshiping together, new babies worshiping with mom and dad, new life all over. And I look around this family and I think about how God has knit us together as his family. And he is our father. Ephesians 1 says this, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved In Romans 8, Paul is talking about the fact that God's people can cry out to God as Abba, Father. Now, parents, we know in the room how much we love our children. How, what lengths we would go to to protect them, to care for them, to love them, to meet their needs. There's nothing we wouldn't do. And if that's who I am, as a sinful, fallen man. How much more is God our Father caring for us and aware of our need and here to help. If we think that we're good parents and most of the time I know in humility we're like well you know we're kind of winging it we're kind of figuring this thing out. But we think we we know the love that we have for our children and how much more does God love us and the fact that he has brought us together and made us a family and that we can cry out to God as father You know that word, that Abba? It means daddy. That's a personal God. This is not a God who is far off and who is distant, who doesn't care of you. He isn't a God that has his thumb over your life. And if you just do the right thing, he'll bless you. But when you don't, you're getting beat up or anything. This is a God who loves us and cares for us. And we can go to him through Christ and cry out, dad, I need help. I need hope finally isaiah describing jesus wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace through christ we have everlasting peace with god and here is the hope of christmas if we have peace with god what else matters Is there anything that can stand against us or come against us in this life? No, because we have peace with God. If you've been around our church family very long, you've probably heard me quote this saying. The worst that they can do is kill us. And as Paul would say, to live as Christ and to die is gain. And if the worst that they can do is kill you because you have eternal and everlasting peace with God, then we can have hope, friends, in the weariness of this world, in the brokenness of this world, in the pain and suffering that you're walking through, perhaps in this very moment. You have peace with God because Jesus came. Because he came and ultimately because he lived the life that we could not live. The perfect sinless life. John 3.16, a verse so many of you might know by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But here's how John continues. Just keep that verse on the screen so we can meditate on that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. God sent his son Jesus. Out of his love for you. Out of his concern for you. To show you his ultimate care for you. And he did that to bring you peace. And we have peace with God by putting our faith in what Jesus has done. And ultimately, it's not that he just came at Christmas time. But it's that he came and was like us. And lived the perfect sinless life that we never could live. And that out of his humility, laid down his life on a cross. So that three days later, he could take it up again and be seated at the right hand of the Father. Philippians chapter 2, I read verse 7 just a few moments ago. Verse 8 says this about Jesus and his humility. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. This is the Jesus we worship at Christmas. Who came in the most humble ways. But he came to remind us that he ultimately was coming from the very beginning... To be obedient to the Father. To live the life that He lives so He can lay down His life for you and for me. You might remember what I read at the very end of verse 7 from Isaiah 9. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is Isaiah prophesying. He's telling the world all these things that God is going to do. And that this Son is coming and all things are going to be made new. And we have hope and we can have peace because of this promise Isaiah says. And they're wondering to themselves, very much like you and I, are you sure? It sure seems like God doesn't really care these days. It sure seems as if God is far off and distant. Is he really aware? Is he really going to do something about this? And Isaiah said, and we can believe today, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And it was the zeal of the Lord to accomplish what he did when he came. And it's that same zeal that took him to the cross. We don't use that word zeal very often. If we do, it might even kind of be, seem a little bit in a derogatory sense when we speak of somebody that's just as you know, doing too much as the kids say. Or is it a try hard? Is that what the new thing is? <laughs> By the way, I, I feel good about trying hard. I don't know about you guys. But anyway, that's a, that's a message for another day. But it was the zeal of the Lord. Zeal is boldness and power. Boldness and power combined in one. This is what zeal is. And it was the zeal of the Lord to come, just as Isaiah had promised, as God had promised ultimately through Isaiah. And it was ultimately the zeal of the Lord that said, I will go to the cross and I will lay down my life. And here's what I want you to know. Christmas is a day of joy and celebration because Jesus came. But think about this for a moment. If Jesus had not lived the life that he lived, if he had not laid down his life in the way that he had done it, if three days later he had not risen from the grave, do you know what Christmas would be? It would be a day that we remembered a guy that lived pretty well who died. There would be no hope in Christmas if it were not for what he did on the cross and for taking his life up again three days later. It would be a day of mourning, a day of sadness. But it isn't. Because he came, because he loves you, because God so loved you, the world, he gave his son. Sometimes you might wonder if this is actually ever going to take place. That same zeal of the Lord that led Jesus to the cross, that allowed him in power to take up his life again three days later. The fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah all that Jesus did, it ultimately gives us the hope we need because it assures us that Jesus' promise to us that I will surely come again is true. And that is what lifts our weary heads. That is where we find hope. We know that at Christmas we see the fulfillment of Jesus' promise to us and we can look forward to his coming promise that he's going to come again. And as the Book of John said, if you believe in what he has done on your behalf, you will surely be with him. And there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. This is hope. So let us remember, as we struggle through this weary season of life that we're in, the peace that God brought us through Christ, that he came to dwell with us, That he is aware of our helplessness. He stepped into our mess. And yes, he will surely one day make all things new to the praise of his glory. Let's pray and rejoice in that truth. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you came as we celebrate today your arrival. You're coming to dwell with us. You're stepping into our mess. And that that truth, that reality, gives us hope. Because we know that you're a God who fulfills your promises. And so just as you came once, you will surely come again. Lord Jesus, I pray for any soul in this room or who might be gathered with us online. I pray that they would know the hope of Jesus. I pray that they would know that you did not come, Lord Jesus, to condemn the world, but to save us. In order that we might be, believe. And so for the dear friend who is doubting this evening. Who wonders where you are. Holy Spirit move in a powerful way. And perhaps even through the gathering of these saints. Remind us. You are here. You are God with us. To the praise of your glory. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Well hopefully you did receive a candle. And it's our tradition that we remember. The light of Christ at Christmas time that came into the darkness of our world. And so our elders are going to come up to the front and we're going to light our candles from the Christ candle. And then make our way around the room and help you light your candles. And we're going to sing together Silent Night. And I just pray that as we sing the words of this very familiar song. As the children get all excited about being able to play with fire for a few minutes. That we could focus on the fact that Jesus came into our world, stepped into our darkness. He is the light of the world. So let's stand and let's sing and remember Christ's light.
1: sleep Christ the Savior is born.
0: This evening and tomorrow morning as you gather with your family, I pray that you would have hope and you would have peace and you would remember that we serve a God who loves us and stepped into our mess so that we might have everlasting joy and peace. Love you guys. Merry Christmas. You can depart at both ends of the building and there are buckets there for you to place your candles in. We uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Merry Christmas. The Lord is good. Thanks for listening to the preaching of God's word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 8:30 and 10:30 a.m. at 2300 Vineyard Hill Lane, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.